Hello and welcome to Scary Pair, a horror movie podcast between partners. I'm Nine. And I'm Opal. And this week we watched uh, The Wicker Man. The Wicker Man. 1973, uh, directed by Robin Hardy, uh, starring Edward Woodward and Christopher Lee. Yep. Uh, and a few other people. But I would say they're they're the main two. Yeah, yeah. Some other people. Yep. And this is the uh, last episode of Fall Favorites. Fall Favorites. Uh, <laughs> Shutting down Fall Favorites. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so for yeah for this month, uh, if you haven't listened to our recent eps, uh, we've just been doing some of our favorite classic horror movies. Yes. Uh, we're ending on kind of a kind of a springy movie, but well, it was shot in like November. So yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's not that crazy, but it is more of a spring movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, but before we get into that, Opal, what have we been doing in the last like four days since we recorded? <laughs> yeah, we we kind of messed up our schedule a little bit, so it hasn't been that long. So we haven't gotten to see like any new movies or anything yet. But we have been watching Terrace House again. <laughs> yeah, we watched like eight episodes in one night, so we're back. I mean, boys and girls in the city, obviously. We were thinking about starting with the first one, but we wanted to start with the Tokyo one because we haven't disclosed this yet. But we had a honeymoon fund for our wedding, and people were super supportive, and we got a lot of support. So we're kind of taking our dream vacation to Tokyo yeah. next year. Yeah, it's not going to be for like five months almost. No, it's but... not going to be for a while, but... It's we're, really exciting. Yeah, so we're preparing. We're trying to like learn little little bits of Japanese. And yeah, we're like... learning Japanese, and it's honestly it's a really fun show for stuff like that. Like you get to hear people talking conversationally, really casually, and yeah. also just that season specifically shows you a lot of locations in Tokyo, like specific restaurants and stuff. I guess if you're not familiar with the show, it's kind of like um, a Japanese version of like big brother where it's like a bunch of people in a house but not quite you we're not voting people off uh, so the the thing that's different about it is that all of the like gamification elements of those kind of reality tv shows is gone it's like a co-ed house and it's implied kind of like you can have romantic interests in the other people if you would like and it's highly encouraged it's just three boys three girls they're all 20 something somethings they live in the same house for a little bit and it's kind of implied that hey, maybe you should try and be romantically involved a little bit. But that's yeah. it. Like, other than that, it's just, like, the people on the there's, show. There's really no reality show kind of like it. It's kind of, like, really raw in that way. Like, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of interference. Like, I've heard things, obviously, but I don't think there is. I, I will say I don't recommend the most recent season, though. No, um, that's um, that's a whole can of worms with, like, the the show has been canceled and is probably never coming back because of... There were some unfortunate events that happened with one of the people on yes. the show, and yeah, but I, I do uh, still... Japanese shows don't recover from scandal like that ever, yeah. so I, I don't have a lot of hope. But we are watching our favorite older season, because yeah. we like them. I mean, it's still a show that we enjoyed in the past, and we can kind of return to some of those memories. I think that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but just wanted to make that clear for anyone. Yes, who, yes, yeah. there is... Um, if you're not familiar, there is a whole 
thing with the newer season. But yeah. well, I, I don't really want to watch the newer season. Even yeah. beyond the scandal stuff, it was getting kind of depressing with the people they were bringing on. So Yeah, I, it was a, a rough season in a lot of ways. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, so aside from that, uh, we watched this movie. Uh, I would say in the next week or so, we're probably going to watch Pearl. Yeah, I want to watch some stuff this weekend for Halloween, because yeah. otherwise I wouldn't be able to live with myself. That's right. This one will probably be dropping on Halloween. Summon. Uh, yeah. The pagan holiday. That's right. Uh, I, I think for Halloween I really want to see The Omen. Oh, that'd be a great one. Because I haven't seen You've it. You've never seen it. Yeah. Oh, you're in for a treat. <laughs> um, but I guess uh, with that, let's go ahead and get into our film. Yeah. Let's get into it. Do you want to talk about any of the, like, trivia stuff? Because I know you're probably reading the same stuff as I am. And I just, I, I have a question. Go ahead. What is Britt Eklund's fucking problem? <laughs> <laughs> so she plays um, uh, Willow in this movie. Uh, there's lots of, like, telltale stuff about her involvement in the movie. Because, like, there is a nude scene with her. Um I don't know, honestly. I mean, she's saying all this stuff like she doesn't like her body double because she's got a big butt. And she's saying like those animals died when they clearly didn't. Like, what's your fucking problem? <laughs> um, you know, I... half of half of the trivia is just insane quotes by her. What is going on? Do you it... not like being a part of art? <laughs> I'm talking you're directly to really her. Really going at our Brit Eklund. Uh... Like, honestly, a bit character in this movie. I mean, she had a lot to say. <laughs> well, um, I mean... And I found it wildly inappropriate. So this is obviously, like, a horror classic. Um, a lot of the, like, <laughs> non-scandalous uh, kind of stuff like that that I saw about this movie was honestly, like, pretty straight up and simple. Like, um... I mean, British people hated this movie, right? Because obviously they did. Yeah, so I guess if you've never seen The Wicker Man, uh, it's about a policeman who visits a... Um, a British policeman who visits a, uh, a Scottish island where uh, they do pagan shit uh, to investigate the disappearance of a missing girl. Um, and it eventually leads into like an elaborate uh, pagan ritual sacrifice at the end. Uh, spoiler alert yeah there's a wicker man in it yeah yeah um so this is i guess uh based on a novel by a guy named david penner who originally uh wrote the novel as a film treatment and then the movie didn't get made so then his publicist was like hey you should write it as, as a book and then he wrote it as a book and then it got turned into this movie yeah yeah um you know it's a it's an interesting uh story you know um I tried to look at, like, stuff that was going on in Scotland in the early 70s, and it's uh, kind of a weird landscape. Oh, like, I bet. I mean... Um, I mean, at the time, uh, Scotland was experiencing a lot of, like, financial domination by Britain in a really negative way, where, like, the conditions were really bad. Um, so I do see a little bit of that in this movie, where, like, a, a Christian guy kind of comes in and tries to assert himself over these like traditional scottish people and gets his ass handed to him basically um yeah. so i see a little bit of that there but i i do think um also part of it is just like 
wouldn't it be so scary if if pagans did some shit, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's the thesis statement of it or not because uh, he does a lot of work to be unlikable in this it, movie. Absolutely. So I mean, I yeah. think you can kind of take it either way. It is very open with like, do you hate this guy? Then you might not be so bad. I, I think they're trying to paint the picture of like a shitty guy who is having a very bad, no good day. <laughs> like <laughs> two days. Yeah, like the the worst two days of this man's life uh, possible. Basically, is what we what we get. Um, it's wonderful. Um, but yeah, we can get into like a little bit more of like the production history in this. Like, I guess Christopher Lee was like very involved with the production. Um, oh yeah, I saw this was like his favorite thing he's ever done. The yeah. legend, Christopher yeah. Lee. He's yeah. like, that's my favorite. Uh, and he was, like, to be clear, already a legend in yes, 1973. Yes. He was already Dracula. He was already doing all of that. Yeah, um, this movie, like, kind of comes out of the, um, almost uh, in opposition to, actually, the tradition of Hammer horror movies, the British uh, horror yes, movie it's, production it's company. it's very reactionary in that way. They wanted something that wasn't, like, outright yeah. gory and horror in that way. Yeah, so those movies, if you've never seen, like, a Hammer horror movie, they tend to be about, like, classic horror archetypes like Dracula or Frankenstein, and, yeah, tend to be very, like, sensational, very bloody and gory. Um, they were extremely successful through, like, the 50s to the 70s, basically. And this movie is kind of um, trying to be not one of those. Yeah. Um, so we're, what we're saying is this reactionary, elevated horror theme that's going on in the 2020s so far is nothing fucking new. <laughs> this is just the cycle that's always gone on well, and it always will go on. Well, it's interesting because Christopher Lee was specifically known for his role as Dracula yes. in Hammer horror movies. Obviously. I mean, it, the honestly, it's arguable whether uh, him or Peter Cushing is like the most well-known Hammer horror person. Like mm. Peter Cushing uh, mostly plays uh, Van Helsing or Frankenstein, whereas Christopher Lee mostly plays Dracula. Wasn't he supposed to be in this one too? Didn't they talk about that like briefly? Uh, I didn't run into that, but possible. Um, it, it was just kind of... Um, you know, those are the two, like, British actors most, like, well-known in British horror, basically. And this is Christopher Lee kind of playing against type a little bit. Playing a little bit more of, like, an interesting role, I would say. A lot more subdued he's in this movie. He's a cool movie. guy. Yeah, he's, he's definitely a cool guy. Um, so, that's kind of the production history on this i do want to touch on uh edward woodward the guy who plays the sergeant oh he uh, does sergeant wonderful. he's incredible <laughs> in this movie this is also his favorite role that he's done oh yeah um that's awesome i associate him actually more with the movie hot fuzz oh my god i mean that's a movie like clearly ragging on this one also yes they knew what they were doing another so. uh british countryside movie yes um where, you know, a cop gets his ass handed to him uh, by townsfolk. Uh, yeah, I think he's he's uh, great in this movie. Um, I don't think this movie would be as good as it is without his kind of played extremely straight uh, performance as the sergeant. Like, played unbelievably, like, oh, yeah. dead on. He's like, such a tight ass. Yeah, he, he plays this, um, like, there is no almost like imagination or give to this character at all he is just no. playing this guy um anyway people like that very much exist yeah to I, the detriment of all of us <laughs> it's true but i i think and i think that's what makes the performance so fun is that he really leans into it um 
But yeah, uh, let's get into our summary. Our summary. Our summary. Summer. Our summer. Our summer. Uh, we start with Sunday, uh, April 29th, 1973. Easter Sunday. I think it's implied. I think that's when Easter is. Generally. I don't fucking don't. <laughs> I am the wrong person to be asking this. Uh, on a church service. And Sergeant Howie, uh, Edward Woodward, as, as we said, is giving like a, a reading from the gospel or whatever. Um, you see this plain woman kind of shyly smiling at him that I assume is his fiance. Yeah, yeah. We'll mention her like once or twice. <laughs> She's <laughs> um, not a character. No. Uh, next we get the opening credits over uh, the sergeant taking like a small airplane, uh, basically like... Uh, it's an amphibian. Yeah, out to this uh, like island in Scotland. Um, we see like a montage here over the credits. Uh, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll get into, like, the island itself, but, like, it's gorgeous. Like, there yeah. are, like, these apple blossoms everywhere that are in full bloom. It's crazy. Yeah. I think the only, like, notable thing from this montage here is some of the uh, wildlife does not make sense for these Scottish Isles. Like, there are palm trees. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. The um, apples aren't supposed to make sense either, but. Right. Uh... So he uh, lands at uh, Summer Isle, and he's there to investigate uh, basically a missing child report. Um, uh, and as he arrives kind of in his amphibious plane, uh, the townsfolk seem like a little skeptical and curious about his presence there. Uh, at first, they almost like don't want to let him onto the island at all. He's very highly wrinkled British dock workers straight out of central casting. Yeah, 1,000%. Um we learn that the missing girl is named Rowan Morrison, uh, and the townsfolk say, uh, "Oh no, she's not from this island. She doesn't. She doesn't belong here." Um, but he doesn't really buy it. He said that he got like an anonymous letter addressed to him personally, and she's been missing for several months. So he's here to figure it out. He's like a constable or a sergeant, a sergeant in the British police force. Um, they finally let him onto the island, and he heads to uh, May Morrison. Everyone uh, has these nature names. Like, it's either a tree or, like, a flower or right. a month, and I kind of love that. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's the mother, uh, and she works at a post office, um, and he wants to ask her some questions. Uh, he's a little flummoxed, though, when she denies that Rose is her daughter, um, and she introduces the sergeant to her nine-year-old daughter, Myrtle. Who is drawing a hair? She didn't draw that shit. <laughs> it's like a traced outline, I and know. she's like, she's like going over it with a little watercolor brush, like doing nothing. Not very well. <laughs> um, uh, the sergeant talks to Myrtle, and she and he's like, "Hey, do you know Rowan?" She's like, "Sure, I know Rowan. Rowan's a hair." And he's like, "What?" <laughs> um, this idiot doesn't even know the difference between bunnies and hairs. Yeah, for real. Uh, from there, he checks into the local inn, where the townsfolk sing a body song, and he's in- uh, and they sing a song about how the the barkeep's daughter is the town bicycle while she's there. <laughs> yeah, he's introduced to the innkeep's daughter Willow. Yeah, she's um, loving it. She loves yeah, it. She's having death. a great. She's having a great time. Um, he kind of breaks up the fun to announce to the locals that hey, I'm investigating. You know, the disappearance of missing girl um but nobody in the bar has seen her and knows who she is um 
He knows. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this fucking. Guy. Oh, you don't know who she is. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, uh, like the town drunks at the bar, like having a go at this yeah. guy. We um, see a lot of these characters later. Actually, they do. Yeah. They do different stuff. Yeah. Um, he notices on the wall there's some harvest festival photos, uh, each featuring like a young girl in front of like the harvest for that year. A bunch of apples. Uh, but this year's is conspicuously missing. There's like a whole space for it and everything that's not there. Oh, we lost it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the sergeant is surprised by the poor quality of the local food. Uh, everything's out of cans and there aren't any fresh apples. Um, and... When he walks outside, he witnesses a public orgy going on. I don't know if it's an orgy if you're all separate. Everyone's if you're all, if you're at least like off. if you're at least like ten feet apart, I don't think it's an orgy anymore. This is maybe a good point to mention. I don't know if we watched like the director's cut or something, but something about the first like thirty minutes seemed off from my memories of this yeah, movie. Yeah, we might have a couple extra scenes because yeah. I mean. Technically, even the quote-unquote director's cut is not, like, the full movie. There are parts of this movie that are lost. One thing that did come up in a lot of my research is that, like, a lot of the original stuff is just gone. It's just gone. Um, There was supposed to be, like, this big dream sequence. There was supposed to be another Christopher Lee speech about, like, apples. Just, like, that stuff is gone forever. It's lost media. Uh, In his room... Uh, Sergeant Howie overhears uh, Willow being presented a young boy for the night. Um, and uh, somebody tells her to be ready for the day of sacrifice and rebirth tomorrow. Yeah, see, I, I think I've seen versions without this scene. Yeah. So it, this may be a director's cut because you see Christopher Lee for the first time. Yeah. And I think in the regular version, you see him for the first time way, way later. Yeah, he is, um, he is not... Uh, mentioned by name here but it's clearly christopher lee clearly Um, you know christopher lee yeah um the townsfolk at the inn sing another like kind of body song and and, like gaze up at the ceiling as uh sergeant howie overhears uh fucking willow fornicating in the room next door bicycling uh the next day uh the sergeant goes to check at the local school, where the schoolboys are playing around the maypole, uh, singing about the cycle of life and death. Oh boy, this mouth harp. I hope you like mouth harp, folks. I hope you like the fiddle, because the guy playing the strings on this is going ham. The mouth harp has to be like the funniest instrument, right? Honestly, all the folk music in this kind of goes off. It really does. It's really catchy. and did we tell you guys that this is a musical, by the way? <laughs> it seriously is. Like, all of the big moments are, like, bookended this by is, song. This is a pagan musical about killing a Christian. <laughs> uh, in the classroom, the schoolgirls are being quizzed about the symbolism of the maypole. It's a penis! It's a phallic symbol! <laughs> uh, it uh, symbolizes the generative force of nature. Uh, Isn't that beautiful? Uh, Sergeant Howie threatens to report the school for public indecency, uh, and he asks all the school children about Rowan, um, but they all kind of stay quiet. It's not like people still do this about sex education. For real. Um, he notices a conspicuously empty desk, uh, and finds Rowan Morrison's name in the school's, uh, attendance ledger, and he's like, 
you're all fucking having a go at me. Yeah, yeah, he's he's brute forcing his way into everything. And you can tell everyone's just kind of holding their tongue because they know what's going to happen. <laughs> They're all like, look at this fucking guy. I hate this dude. I, I mean, I do think um, this scene is really cool because it's kind of the first time that you are explicitly shown that... They're lying. They're lying. These people are having a go at him. They know who this girl is. It is not just like... Are you having a go at me? Because, I, I mean, can you imagine, like, a story, like, a police officer gets an anonymous tip about a girl. He, like, goes to town and asks about her, and they're all like, yeah, she doesn't exist. And not just being like, all right, well, fuck it, and leaving. Like, this guy is like... I mean, yeah, like, why aren't you asking where the tip came from? Yeah. And... This guy I seems, mean, like, so sure that something is up here, and it's, like, kind of unfounded. I, I mean, mean, it's kind of the thesis statement of the movie that if he ha- if he just minded his fucking business and respected their culture... He wouldn't be in this situation. And I do think you're getting the idea here that, like, the pagan shit going on in the town is what is motivating him to dig deeper and deeper. Obviously. He's he like, is... they, oh, they're not Christians. They must not be good people. Yeah. And he's, like, going out of his way to, like, say that to everybody, yes. basically. Um, uh, he finally kind of has a conversation with the school teacher who sort of coyly explains to him that, uh, yeah, Rowan's dead, uh, although the townsfolk don't call it that. Um, she says that Rowan's buried uh, in the churchyard, which they also don't call it that. Um, yeah, obviously. Uh, the sergeant goes to, you know, inspect the grave. Um <laughs> He sees a breastfeeding mother holding an egg. I love this. That, that's apparently a, like an actual pagan fertility ritual. Um, parts of this movie are very well researched. It's kind of um, like scattershot. Like some of the stuff that you see is like English pagan stuff as opposed to other stuff, which is like Scottish pagan stuff. Yes. Um, also, one thing that I think is interesting is like actual parts of Scotland at this time mostly spoke Gaelic, which they don't. Uh, address in this movie at all yeah um but that was still like an ongoing cultural thing in scotland at the time um well i mean there's there's always the whole thing with like a lot of a lot of rumors about like the druids and pagans were from caesar and we don't know if he was telling the truth or not right right a lot of these sources are not um by the people of the time no because it's not it's not written history it's like yeah. Verbal history. So this movie tries to be like very well researched, but it's kind of limited by what was you available in the 1970s. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Howie uh, is kind of scandalized and fashions a makeshift cross to lay on top of a gravestone. Very indignant. Also, yeah. I heard someone came back years and years later and it was still there. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, but he finally does find uh, Rowan's grave with a tree growing over it uh, with her umbilical cord hanging from the tree. This isn't that weird. Uh, <laughs> Women do this in L.A. all the time. <laughs> when he asks the groundskeeper, hey, what's the deal with this? And where's the minister? The guy just kind of laughs minister! at him. Minister! <laughs> Get a load of this guy. This my good guy. Um, I, I have to say, uh, this movie is basically just a bunch of scenes of the townsfolk being like, get a load of this guy. <laughs> get a load of this guy. For real. Um, from there he's like, okay, I'm gonna visit the town registry, uh, where they report all the deaths. Um, and despite, you know, some complaints from the clerk there who's like, you don't have Lord Summerisle's permission to look She's at the records. She's got some sick buns. Uh, <laughs> hair buns, yeah. you mean? 
Well, yeah. What are you? She. She's sitting down. And later she's also sitting down. So I can't say for sure. You can't say anything. But her bosoms, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is an interesting scene here. Sergeant Howie's, like, examining the death certificate. um, And he finds, like, some uh, names in the... uh, Of Morrison's that are reported dead. But they're, uh, like, Christian names. They're, like... uh, the really old people, yeah, yeah who came before uh, people were born. Then. Yeah, which implies that like nobody since then has been getting logged in as like a death in the town because yes. they just see things differently. They don't do it that way. Yeah. Um. Uh, from there, he visits the town photographer to be like, "Hey, do you have a copy of the Harvest Festival photo from last year?" Uh, but the guy's like, "No, I don't keep copies. Oh, I don't know who that girl is." He's also a chemist, and he's got some weird stuff yeah. <laughs> in jars and stuff. I love his, like, little curio situation. Just, like, it's a, it's like if you went into, like, a super goth oddities store where yeah. they've got, like, cows with, like, two faces and stuff. <laughs> he exclusively carries that stuff. Uh, yeah, but he's, like, the most normal-looking old British guy. <laughs> Maybe if you didn't see him singing about uh, fucking the town bicycle earlier. you got to stop with the town bicycle. Everyone thing. gets a ride! Oh my god. It's her deal and she loves it. I love women who are uh, empowered. Right. Yeah. <laughs> From there, Howie finally decides he's gonna visit the, the, the local lord. Uh, here we get what you called an AMV. Uh, of naked women i'm not used to this scene of just like this pregnant woman running through the the apple blossoms just like in slow motion yeah so we we do get a montage here it's like um people on the like estate grounds uh that are like these naked women doing this fire ritual intercut with a pregnant woman who's like in a cotton field it looks like no just Um, like it just looks like the apple field um as (laughs) The sergeant's like, what the fuck is going on here? Get a load of this guy. Uh, we get another another uh, folk song here. Uh, at the Lordship's Castle, Howie meets Lord Summer Isle, Christopher Lee himself. The, the castle itself is actually really interesting because he does have like very kind of traditional British manor things like he has a bunch of rifles on the wall and he has like these taxidermy heads and stuff that might not traditionally be like pagan-ish right like they're very kind of traditional like manor decor well and we're gonna get his um deal here but i I do think it's really interesting it is because Um, he's he's kind of like from both worlds right because of his backstory and stuff yeah uh, I have to say, Chris Frilly's wardrobe here looking pretty swag. His wardrobe is great. His hair is so fluffy, and I like his sideburns. Like, in my mind, the first time I saw this movie, like, I didn't parse right away, like, oh, that's Christopher Lee. Because he's looking very different from how I would say he traditionally looks. He just looks like a dude. He just, yeah. he looks like a fluffy dude. Yeah, he looks, like, way fluffier than I've ever seen Christopher Lee in this movie. Yeah. It's, it's a nice change, honestly. Still very handsome. Yeah. Um, he kind of brushes off the sergeant's concerns of foul play. Uh, he says, oh, no, we're like a deeply religious people. We would never commit murder. Uh, which... He bulks at, obviously. Yeah, he, he like, expresses some disbelief, and, uh, Summerall kind of gives him, like, the rundown of the town's, like, pagan beliefs. Um, 
how he's like, and what of the true God? And Summerall's like, well, he's dead. He can't complain. Yeah, he's dead here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess in... Also, eight... he also gives him a speech about how uh, immaculate conception is shared in both their cultures. And he's just like, what, 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 what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, they only uh, learn about uh, Christianity comparatively. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he says that in 1868, uh, his like great grandfather Lord Summer Isle uh, bought the island and like wanted to grow some new strains of fruit that he was developing, um, and to kind of like make the people warm up to him, like the locals, he restored their like older uh, pre-Christian religion, which kind of invigorated them. Um, which is really interesting, right? Because like. It's kind of like this social experiment that we're kind of privy to exactly. in this movie. Like, oh, yeah. they seem to really like it. Yeah. So. But the relationship is still like a lord and the peasants in kind of like the traditional sense as well. Like, he still does live on this big fancy estate. Everyone on the island does still seem to defer to him. Um, it seems like, yeah, they're pagans because they're historically pagans. But like, he's the one that, or his family is the ones that restored the kind of pagan beliefs and they wouldn't have done it on their own it's kind of it's kind of interesting yeah um he says uh he's a heathen conceivably but not i hope an unenlightened one he's so handsome he's great um uh how he's like okay i'm gonna dig up this fucking grave of of rowan lord summer i was like sure go ahead yeah it doesn't care uh, but later that night uh when he does dig up the coffin uh he finds only a hair inside it just looks like a rabbit. I don't know if it's a hare. Uh, they keep saying hare for the purposes of the story. I'm gonna... They do, but I do know the difference. I'm not a fucking idiot. <laughs> You're so bunny pulled. <laughs> uh, returning to Lord Summer Isle's estate, uh, the sergeant throws the rabbit at his feet and demands an explanation. But again, Lord Summer Isle's kind of like, you're a detective. Yeah, him and the teacher earlier are kind of having like a moment. Yeah, she's like sitting on the floor with like a goblet and like singing as he like plays a little piano bit. It's a honestly, they're fucking vibe. <laughs> um, oh, I would, I would bet anything that everyone is fucking Lord Summer. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, who wouldn't? Um, you know, the sergeant's like, hey, I'm going to report you to the fucking constable that, you know, I think Rowan Morrison was murdered in a pagan ritual and request a full inquiry. And Lord Summerall's like, all right, go for it. Yeah, uh, you, leave. Yeah, yeah, you should leave. Uh, tomorrow we're having our May Day celebration and you're not going to like that shit. No, so, you'll hate it. Yeah, go. Yeah, get out of here. Um, so Sergeant Howie's like, fine. Uh, he... Still needs more information, though. So he sneaks into, like, the photographer's studio and finds, like, the celebration photo of Rowan. Uh, and he sees there's, like, hardly any harvest with her. And he's like, oh, okay, the crops failed. These people did, like, a ritual sacrifice to, like, restore the crops. That's what's going on. Um, And then he goes back to the inn to sleep for the night. Uh, and he is enticed by uh, Willow, who is naked and singing from the next room. Uh, this is Willow's song, the eponymous one. Yes. Kind of like the probably the most famous song from this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really good. Yeah. But also, apparently the body double was just like a stripper from Glasgow. Yeah. Uh, it's a... I would say it's the most like... Uh, 
salacious scene or whatever. Like it's got the most I know, nudity. I don't know because there there is a lot of nudity throughout the movie, and that's just kind of the deal with it. Yeah, but this is the longest like held scene involving nudity of like the same character. So I guess so. Yeah, uh, but. The sergeant, like, holds off. He just stays in his room. He's, like, squinting. He's, like, I can't fuck. <laughs> He's, like, got his head pressed up against I'm the wall. I'm such a loser. I can't <laughs> fuck. And uh, the next morning, Willow, like, comes to check on him. And she's, like, hey, why didn't you come visit me? I invited you over. And he's, like, oh, no, I'm engaged to be married. And I don't believe in premarital sex. Womp womp. So he's a virgin. Uh, she says, you know, you really should go home because you really won't like Mayday. Virgins hate Mayday. <laughs> Christian virgins like you fucking hate Mayday. Believe me. Um, in the local library, uh, Howie reads a book on Mayday and about, uh, symbolic Mayday figures, including the fool who is king for a day and, uh, the ritual human sacrifice that would be done historically for a good harvest. And this, he's commenting out loud, and this woman beside him in the library is just looking over at him like, Get a load of this guy. Get a load of this guy, though. (laughs) Um, From there, he's like, all right, I'm headed for my plane. Um, As, like, masked townsfolk watch him from the shore, they're all in their, like, Mayday getup, which is, like, animal heads, basically. Um, I think they look awesome. Some are better than others, though. (laughs) (laughs) He, uh finds the plane's engine and radio sabotaged uh and the harbor master uh, assures him like oh nobody's fucked with your plane i would have totally seen it definitely nobody fucked with it and he's like at this point like he knows like something is up here Obviously. but like he can't do anything about it so he's like god damn it i'm just gonna find rowan morrison myself um it, it seems like earlier he has this like revelation that maybe she's still alive or something like that um We'll get into more of it later. Because uh, it talks about doing the sacrifice on the May Day Festival. Right. Yeah. Um, From here, he kind of spies on the townsfolk as they're, like, having a meeting where they talk about, okay, at, like, this and such time, we're going to do our procession, and then we'll go up the hill, and then we'll do our ritual sacrifice for the harvest. Um So I was like, okay, he thinks now like this is going to be the sacrifice of Rowan. So he goes to her mom, Mrs. Morrison. He's like, hey, listen, I know you're fucking indoctrinated or whatever, but you really got to listen. Like she's alive. She's going to be killed. And Mrs. Morrison's like, you just don't fucking get it. dude." She's she's cutting a woman cake that looks fucking delicious. I want to eat this cake. I know. I want to eat the woman cake. Uh, Yeah. She she tells him that he will never understand the true nature of sacrifice. Right. which is kind of deep yeah. yeah i mean i i do think like this is a really interesting thing going on with this movie where like um the people on like summer isle are happy <laughs> like yes. very happy. like yes they are living a life that feels like um unacceptable to like this christian guy like in his moral compass but like by all standards, like, they're doing perfectly fine. He's the weird one. He's the fucking weirdo. And, I mean, you know, I think about how, like, at this time in Scotland, you've got a lot of unrest over, like, living conditions and shit like that. And, you know, these people are happy. They're like, we got it all figured out, dude. We're, like, doing our thing here. And, yeah, you know, like, we're not, like, 
Christians or whatever, but who gives a shit? <laughs> they know? don't want to be. Like, materially, it doesn't matter. like, it doesn't matter to them, you know? They find meaning in, like, just framing things a different way. And I do feel like I've had, like, this exact conversation with people as I'm, like, you know, I'm a little bit of a pagan, you know? Oh, yeah. We did a hand-fasting ritual for our yes, wedding, yes, you know? Did. And, like... You know, if people are asking me, like, well, what's the significance of this? I mean, like, eh, well, what's the significance of any ritual? You know, it's just like what you make of it. You know, we get to I decide mean, it, what's important to us. You it know? is meaningful to us. And that's, yeah. that's what matters. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, if for us as pagans, we find meaning in like the earth and the water and the fire, like, that's fine. You know, like you now this dear listener May reveal some implicit bias on your part. <laughs> yeah, we're really, really giving up the game here. I know. Um, you got us. Uh, so from here, how he's like, okay, I'm going to search every fucking house on this goddamn island to find Rowan, because she's somewhere. Um, he even searches, like, a boat that's docked offshore. I think uh, I think this whole montage of him searching is kind of funny. This is hilarious. Yeah, so we get the montage of him just encountering various townsfolk in preparation for Mayday. preparations. Yeah. And like, people having a go at him. Yeah. Uh, like, there's a woman who, like, is just in a bathtub naked. and It's the it's the records keeper from earlier. Okay. She's that's so- what I was saying. Nice movies. Uh, <laughs> But, like, she seems totally unbothered when he comes in, and he's like, oh, fuck. Like, he's the one who's embarrassed on walking in on somebody naked, because he's, you know, a prude. Yeah. Um, and she's just like, whatever, dude. Oh, not, not a thing. Um, I think my favorite is the guy who's prepping his um, Mayday costume, yes. which is the, the salmon, salmon of knowledge. Of knowledge. <laughs> this now, is... I want to I know if he does that every year, or if he's trying something daring and new. Well, because there's a conversation earlier where someone's like, oh, are you going to wear your usual fool costume? And he's like, oh, yeah, I got to do it every year, although it fits me. You know, it gets a size smaller every year, which is funny. <laughs> um, so I, I think, yeah, some people have like their regular getups, but some people do something new. So He's trying the salmon of knowledge. <laughs> the salmon of knowledge this year. Um, but yeah, he so the sergeant fails to find Rowan. So um, he goes there, back. There's also someone baking a, a human-sized pastry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is very funny when you're looking for someone who's going to be sacrificed. <laughs> he like, looks in the oven and sees like a man-shaped piece of bread. I know. I, I want to eat it it's so yeah. bad. There's also like a big like sun piece of bread, which looks really good, oh, like yeah. a sun face. It's the thing. um, it's the emblem of the flag. Their sun god. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So he's like, fuck it. He goes back to his room to rest. Um, and Willow and her father attempt to put him to sleep with a hand of glory, which is a real thing. Yes, yes, it is a real thing. You take um, a hand, number one. Yeah. Preferably of a thief of some kind. And you light it up. Yeah, like a candle. Yeah. Uh, and the idea is that it's supposed to, like, immobilize whoever is, like, in front of it. Yep. Um. <laughs> real, real stuff. Yeah, uh, he, he like, freaks out, <laughs> and he's like, okay. Because this motherfucker doesn't know what a hand of glory is, clearly. Clearly, yeah. Uh, he goes and, like, attacks the innkeeper um, and steals his fool costume so that he can, like, surreptitiously join the Mayday Parade. Um, this makes him king for a day. That's right. 
Um, so we get to see the procession here. Uh, it rules. <laughs> I love the procession. It seems like a great time, unironically. Yeah, there's guys, uh, swanging swords around. Uh, Christopher Lee is doing his, like, harvest dance. Yeah, I, I love his whole getup here. He's in, like... Yeah, he, it's like a... They call it a man-woman outfit. I guess it's, like, this hermaphroditic figure in pagan mythology that's supposed to like bring the harvest you know yeah just kind of like this gender gender neutral like leader figure yeah basically and it's awesome that it's christopher lee yeah and it's kind of interesting that like this is like textually supposed to be like the most important person in the procession he's like leading the procession yes. it's kind of it's kind of cool um there's the man animal that's who is who is a big float <laughs> Yeah, he's like a big, he's got like a horse head like float situation. He's supposed to chase all the girls around. Yeah, fun. <laughs> it seems like fun. Yeah, he seems like he's having a great time. Um, the procession comes to a stop at this like sort of Stonehenge uh, situation on Summer Isle's estate that we saw earlier. Um, and all of the guys with swords make like a, a like an interlocking sword it, it circle. It makes a sun. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the idea is... Everyone in the procession is supposed to go through and, like, put their head through the, the circle of swords, and then somebody gets their head chopped off. Now, I, I love this scene. I think it's a really interesting scene, because in his research earlier, he read that sometimes the sacrifice would be done this way. Yeah. So you're kind of wondering if someone's going to get their head lopped well, off. Well, it is a fake-out, because they're saying, like, at one point... um Christopher Lee, like, kind of shoves him as, because he's dressed up as the fool. He's got, like, a mask on so no one can tell who he is. Sort of. Supposedly. Uh, He, like, shoves him forward and he's like, come on, it's a game of chance. Yeah. Which to me implies that, like, oh, so. You can lose. You can lose, right? (laughs) Um, So finally they do lop somebody's head off, but it's um, one of the girls who has, like, put it up on her shoulders or something. Yeah, um, l- luckily she did that. Yeah, you you think? Well, I think it's I think it was all planned. Well, obviously. Um. Yeah. So, uh, for a second you think, oh my god, maybe they just and she's wearing a hair costume too. Yeah. So you think, oh my god, maybe he missed it. Maybe they just killed Rowan basically because she's supposed to be the hair. Uh huh. Um. But no, it was just one of the other girls doing yeah. like a, a thing. Fun, fun, fun scene, full of tension. Yeah, it, it's great. Uh, it's a it's a nice little fake out. Um. From here, uh, they go to the coast where they, like, roll a barrel of ale down into the ocean. Um, and then they produce Rowan as, like, the final sacrifice. She's, like, tied up. Um, they're and... like, okay, for real, we're doing the sacrifice now. Yeah, they're like... <laughs> they make a point to announce it. <laughs> yeah, they're like, now for the more serious sacrifice. Everybody stay tuned for the human <laughs> sacrifice. She's over there. Uh, and Sergeant Howie, like, freaks out, and he, like, rushes over to her, and he, like, cuts her bindings, and he's like, come on, come with me, and they escape through, like, a cave tunnel, and she's, like, leading him, like, through this, like, crazy cave. Um, and they come out the other side, only to be met by Lord Summer Isle, who has done a costume change. Yeah, quick change, for real. (laughs) Everyone's there just, like, waiting for them, He's just, like, sitting, like, it took you a while. Yeah, (laughs) it's great, um... And he, you know, embraces Rowan and congratulates her for performing her role perfectly. Uh, and Sergeant Howie is just kind of, like, standing there in disbelief. Yeah, she, she goes and hugs her mom, too. Yeah, yeah, as, like, the townsfolk kind of all surround him. Um, and at this point, Lord Summer Isle welcomes him as the fool uh, for coming of his own free will and playing uh, the game of the hunted, defeating the hunter, which I think is great. 
Um, he says they've controlled his thoughts and actions since he's arrived. Um, and he kind of only, only to a certain point, though, right? Because he's made a lot of his own decisions to get here. Yes, obviously. yes, that's very important. Like he explains that this has all been basically like an elaborate harvest ritual sacrifice to get Sergeant Howie, in particular, to come to be sacrificed to ensure that their crops don't fail. Um, they needed specifically a man who had come of his own free will with the power of the law behind him, who is a virgin, but also the fool. Uh, all of the above. And he's played all of these parts, you know, spectacularly. Um, <laughs> Christopher Lee calls him one of the great fools of history for accepting <laughs> the role of king for a day. Yeah, because who would want to be king for a day but, but a fool? fool. <laughs> uh, and he will be revered and anointed as a king. And he'll undergo death and rebirth in the form of their crops. <laughs> and he's, you know, the sergeant is fucking losing it here. Uh, he's like, hold on. Yeah, he he's saying like, no, like guys, seriously, like I'm a Christian. I don't, I don't like do all this shit. And um, he doesn't realize that's the point. Exactly. Yeah. The whole the whole point is that only a guy like him, who's like so self righteous, in like his ways, would do this. Um, so the townsfolk subdue him. Uh, they like take all his clothes. They like ceremoniously clean him and then dress him in a white robe. He um, must hate it when they touch his nipples. <laughs> they do just touch his... They put, like, weird jelly on his nipples. Yeah, I don't know. It's like dye. Um, and he says that, uh, you know, he believes in the eternal life of Jesus Christ, yada yada. Uh, and I think I think it's interesting that Christopher Lee is like, you should really want this. You should want a martyr's death <laughs> for your cause of Christianity. Isn't that your whole deal? Just go with it. And he says... Uh, the time has come to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Awesome! Quote. I love fucking. I love that fucking line so much. It's it's so sick. The Wicker Man. The Wicker Man. Uh, just just giving it like the full Christopher Lee line read. Um, uh, silky voice. So you know he uh, the sergeant tries to make like one last plea to the townsfolk, saying like, "Hey, listen, if this doesn't fucking work, <laughs> you gotta come for Christopher Lee. You gotta kill Lord Summerisle after this because." If sacrificing me didn't work, like, there's only one way a place to go from there, and that's killing the, the Lord of the Kingdom here. And Christopher Lee's just like, Bet. <laughs> no. But it will not fail. They will not fail. <laughs> you see, he seriously does just say, Bet. Like, yeah, yeah, Bet, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the townsfolk, you know, they're unmoved, uh, and they bring Sergeant Howie to... The Wicker Man, which is just a big uh, wicker wicker statue. Man. Yeah. Um, and I, I love Edward Woodward's uh, response here. Oh, his here. performance is amazing. I think it really takes off here. Oh, dear God. Oh, oh Jesus Christ. Christ. <laughs> uh, because I don't know if you know this. He asked not to see it until that moment. <laughs> and it is. It's scary. Looking. It's very uh, intimidating. Like, it is some of the best horror iconography of all time. Just seeing this giant man who you know brings death. And it's full of like animals that are screaming. Oh too. yeah, it's like a it's like a giant sacrificial bento box. You yeah. got like the rice <laughs> over here, you got the man over here. I I love it. Um just the I mean this movie, um, we're going to get to it when we, like, rate it or whatever. But it has had straight up, like, no scares. 
up until this point. There's an atmosphere, right? But it it all puts its energy towards the end. Yeah, like it has one big reveal that's supposed to be scary and it it fucking fucking works. works. Because that would be your reaction. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, uh, Lord Summer Isle does, you know, his plea to the old gods to please, you know, accept our sacrifice as the sergeant is, like, cursing the townsfolk. Yeah, you gotta go all the way. You gotta be like, I place, like, place your old-timey, like, sailor's curse. Like, yeah, he, la... he does. <laughs> like, uh, fucking the lighthouse. You yeah. gotta do that. Yeah. Um... And, you know, with that, they they light it up. Uh, the wicker van is, is lit aflame. And they uh, do their dance. They do they do their dance and their, their song to the cuckoo, I think, is their song. Yeah. Um, and they seem to be having a wonderful time. Yeah, as the sergeant is enveloped in flames. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't come right away, though. No. It takes a little bit. No, I love this, because he, he transitions from, like, you know, he, like, curses everyone. He, like, tries to sing a hymn for a second. He prays to God. Uh, Edward Woodward fucking going for it in the scene. Um, eventually, his prayers just turn into screams as the fire is roaring and the townsfolk are just chanting their song. It, and it's it's scary, right? Because it's not going to happen right away. No. You've got to wait for it to happen. Yeah. While you hear animals scream below you. <laughs> yeah, as they're, <laughs> as they're being burnt first. Um, and eventually, the statue itself collapses as we get like a slow zoom in on the setting sun as the credits oh, roll gorgeous and what a shot it is yeah because you know they had one chance <laughs> yeah, to do that. you only have one chance to burn down your whole wicker yeah. man statue and yeah that's the end of the movie oh, what a movie it's so good it's so good um you know people did not like the ending at first <laughs> well it's really interesting so you know i did some additional i always try and figure out like kind of how is the movie received at the time very mixed yeah. it sounds like this is another one where like really didn't make any money um you know they were specifically trying to not be a uh tantalizing crowd pleasing kind of horror movie <laughs> um and this is what they got you know <laughs> it just wasn't a commercial success but I think kind of the um, compensation for that is how well this movie is regarded now. Obviously. Like, I mean, it is a classic. It's fully yeah. a classic. Even if, like, you know someone who doesn't like horror movies, they would probably really, really love this movie. I mean, it is regularly called the Citizen Kane of horror movies. Yeah. Which is like, you know, I don't really like Citizen Kane that much, but it's what? that's high praise. <laughs> you just dropped a big bomb. Whatever. Have you seen it? Like a long time ago. We're going to talk about this later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Citizen I, Kane Liker is logged in. I don't. Well, I'm not going to say I don't like it, listen, but it's. I, I honestly. I'm like, not going to dig myself a hole. Here. I honestly don't have any like craft things to say. I really just don't think about that movie at all. Uh, That's whatever. It's, it is simply not an important movie to me and my psyche. Um. But obviously, it's a it's a big compliment to be referred to that way. Yeah, um, and yeah. I think the movie earns it. Like, it's making some some shots here. You know, um, I think like, you know, in some ways, it reminds me a lot of the movie we just watched of the Lighthouse, Glass. where you know it is a movie that is trying to hit some historically accurate like researched points. 
It well, is, also, it's a slow burn, right? It's a slow like, build. It's not like yeah. an in-your-face horror movie. It yeah. is kind of in this prestige jacket of drama. And, and it's a movie about, you know, um, two guys who are just, you know, in in kind of like a normal situation, right? Like, he's a policeman, the other guy's the, the lord of the land, and they, you know, are kind of butting heads a little bit. But, like, in a very, you know, no, nobody's, like, bursting into fights with each other in this movie. Um, it's just, you know. No, he's the weirdo. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah, the whole point is just that, like, this guy just won't let it go that a bunch of pagans did this shit. And, you know, he's so sure of his conviction that, you know, pagans are evil, horrible murderers that he, you know, gets himself fucking human sacrificed. And, uh... And honestly, the movie does a great job of selling you that it's his fault. He has for this. It's it's a thousand percent his fault. And, like, he's, for all of his, like, moral indignation about things, like, he's not a good guy. You know, he's a fucking cop. <laughs> um, people are, you well, know... No, I think I think it is very important that he's a cop because he's very cop about everything. About everything. Like, he is constantly and threatening... And that's why he's a bad person. He's threatening everyone. He is like, you are going to let me see the town records or you're going to be in jail. <laughs> like, and everyone's just like, bet. Yeah, I mean, everyone kind of, like, just gives him enough rope to basically hang himself with. Because that's the goal. Because they want to, like, lead him in more. Yeah. Well, because it's part of the game, you know. It's the idea that he has to sign his own death warrant. Basically, he yeah. he has to. It is it is of his free will. Yeah. Um. They they kind of you know big brain him into doing exactly what they want. Um. And the fact that he's not able to figure out what's going on because he only sees things one way is very important to that. So, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> I watched this movie in 2022, and I'm like, yeah, people of Summer Isle fucking get it like yeah, you know yeah i could um, use some more summer aisles yeah um the idea that like no we really can um radically reimagine society in a way that's like more equitable to people and if someone like comes to fuck with us we will take them the fuck down yeah, if we is, have like, to do a sacrifice of some interloper every once in a while so be it yeah of like somebody who literally like wants to destroy our whole <laughs> way of living then like yeah okay sure like I'm in. Um, and I think, like, you know, maybe you don't agree with that conclusion necessarily, but I think the movie is still, like, it still works regardless. Um, I, I think that thesis statement alone is kind of what makes me kind of iffy about Midsommar kind of copying all of his homework. Uh, and kind of the way that that movie kind of delivers what it thinks about society. Yeah, I mean, that movie's coming at it in, like, a very different way. It's very, very different. Um, I, I mean, you can't help but compare them, but also they are saying different things. But yeah. also, you can't not compare them. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a movie that's clearly, like, cashing in on the cultural memory of this movie. Um, to, you know, mess with your expectations a little bit, but also to kind of, you know, interrogate that a little bit. I don't know. I mean... Because in that one, the cultists are wrong. <laughs> yes, just, the cultists just are for the, just for the record. And you know, uh I think there is a read of this movie where like you think that the cultists are wrong. Um People I, wanted the ending where the police came and saved him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I that's not the movie that I want. Uh and I, you know, watching it now, how I feel. No, come, but people you know. hate a, a bleak ending and they're I think they're fucking losers. 
I really like this ending. I like that it just makes you sit with it. It's like, yeah. I love a nihilistic ending. If you couldn't tell by our fall favorite picks, we love a nihilistic <laughs> ending. Well, and I also love that, like, you don't know if the crops succeed next year or not. No. You don't know if the sacrifice worked. Fuck you, that. You don't know if all the people are coming for Lord Summerisle next year. Doesn't like, matter. It doesn't. You know, the, it's it's all in service of this this mood and this tone. And the plot is basically just the same scene repeats over and over again as the tension builds until the climax happens. And it's great. It pulls it off. Yeah. Like, I don't think a lot of horror movies have the balls to just be like, oh, yeah, it's just all on the final scene. <laughs> like, I know. They really put all their uh, pregnant women holding <laughs> eggs in one basket. And like, it succeeds highly. If that final scene just doesn't work, like, the whole movie doesn't work. Like, you just have to throw the whole thing out. But they did it. Yeah. Like, they fucking nailed it. 100%. Um, do you want to rate it? Yes, yes. All right. So, first off is the spookiness. Uh, one to five. How good were the scares and the tension building? Uh, what would you give it? I think as we just kind of discussed, this is kind of a non-conventional one to talk about, like, how scary it is. Like, throughout the movie, there isn't a lot going on, but I think that final scene is just so strong that I would probably have to give it a four. Just, like, the, the atmosphere and the acting and reactions and the iconography, ugh, it just can't be beat. I, I gotta give it a four. Yeah, I mean, it is, like, I mean, it's top ten, top five, like, best horror movie scenes ever like you know that's hard to gauge but yeah i mean that's what i would that's how i feel about it yeah i feel that way too yeah um so yeah i think i have to give it a four on that basis even though like you know you sit down and you watch this movie and mostly it's a bunch of guys going (laughs) you get a load of this fucking guy i know it's mostly a musical yeah um but i think that's fine you know i'm completely okay with it I, i won't give it a five because you know it's not um a five out of five spookiness is it fucking punches me in the excuse me in the face with it and this movie doesn't do that and it's not trying to do that no Um, it's not that kind of movie but i think it does succeed enormously at what it is trying to do and for that i have to give it a a four yeah yeah i think it's too successful at what it wants big agree Um, yes next is watchability how easy is it to just throw this movie on and have a good time what would you give it I mean, this is my second fall favorite for a reason. Right. I, along with The Thing and Alien, I basically watch this every year. Yeah. So I, I gotta give it a five. Yeah, I think it's very watchable. Um, I struggle with whether I want to give it a four or a five for watchable just because um, a lot of the movie is not trying to be like a thrilling, entertaining movie. And the tension build isn't like... Oh, but I'm still very entertained the entire I, time. I'm definitely entertained. And you know what? It's a nice, like... It's under 90 minutes, you know, it just kind of gets moving. Oh, no, um, it's not long. The scenes, I think, have, like, a nice, uh, like, pace to them. I think... Um, and there's some bops in there. Yeah, I think the music is really good. I think that does add to the watchability, because I'm sitting there and I'm singing along to the music. I'm, like, you know, I'm entertained by that, even if it's not, like, getting my heart rate up constantly. So, yeah. uh... I'll give it a four. I think I think it's super watchable. I think it's it's a really good one, um, but not like one of my most watchable movies for me personally. Yeah. Uh, and then last is the Vincent Price, vamp rating, the performances and overall campiness of the movie. Opal. Gotta be a five. This has to be a five. I mean, just for the Lord Summer Isle. 
Christopher Lee, I mean, this could be called the Christopher Lee Vampirating Award. not fail! You know, uh, it's like, he's one of, like, probably the Holy Trinity with Vincent Price and probably Peter Cushing as well, uh, of just, like... Oh, there's probably, like, four or five in there. Yeah, of just, like, the best to ever fucking do it. Yeah, um, so I think on that, and then, you know, we've talked a lot about Woodward's performance. Oh, I think he's also excellent. I think he's really doing it. I, I think, think a lot um, of people do a really, really good job, honestly. Yeah. Um, the bit parts or whatever, you know, I think there's enough to keep you entertained. They do fine. Um, you know, it's it's townsfolk being townsfolk. I like that vibe. It's fun. I think I think a lot of them are doing fun stuff too. Um And I think uh, you know, bringing in a lot of the like pagan ritual stuff is just really kind of fun. It it brings like a levity to the movie, honestly, for me, where it's you know the the people singing their silly song around the maple. I know Uh, that's also a part of it. Yeah, that's definitely part of the camp score for me. So yeah, I it's just absolute five for me. Yeah, gotta be. which gives it uh, 14 for you and 13 for me. That's got to be like my highest movie, right? Uh, I think that is tied with The Thing. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. They're my um, favorites. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, fantastic movie. Um, you know, I'm not really the type to like sit here and quibble about this movie very much. I think that what it is going for, it fucking nails. And I think it's kind of brave uh, to do. And I like that there's, um, you know, not a lot of movies that really feel like this and that go for no, this kind even, of thing. Even now when they're clearly kind of trying to be in that same way, it's not really the same. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of, like, the convention, like, nobody makes the movie this way. Nobody stakes that much on the last scene and, and goes for it. Because, I wish they would. Well, because, I mean, production execs would never let you, you know? They'd be like, no fucking way you're not making a I movie mean, they like almost this. didn't because, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think you know uh, the movie. The movie just works. Uh, it, it it sticks the landing basically in the biggest way, uh, and it's classic. It's incredible. Yeah, love it. Proud of this to be my fall favorite. And with that. Uh-oh. I think. She's coming. Oh, my God. He's not dead. <laughs> Bring me the movie sack. I've been, I've been, listeners, I've been waiting to say this for like a month. I know. <laughs> welcome. Welcome the back. Return of the sack. <laughs> what is that? It's Return of the Mac. Are you going to introduce sack. the sack for people who don't know what the yeah, sack is? Yeah, so if, you're, if you've started listening with the last few episodes and don't know, uh, this is the movie sack. This is normally <laughs> how we decide the next movie we're going to watch every week. Uh, Opal, you curate a uh, sack full of movies. I curate a sack yeah. full of movies. Full of movies. I pick one at random and we watch that the next week. So uh, Fall Favorites is officially over goodbye fall favorites Uh, i'll miss you it'll be back next year yeah probably yeah and with that the movie i've selected by the way if you couldn't if you couldn't tell we have a real physical sack here with papers inside of it so you're hurting her it's fine the movie we'll be watching next week is (laughs) the faculty yes fuck yeah dude 
getting right back into it with the bad well, yeah. fucking movies. We're, we're getting back into it. I hope you're ready. <laughs> uh, this is the 1998 uh, Robert Rodriguez film. Oh, yeah. I'm looking fucking forward to it. Oh, wait, we've seen this together before. We've seen this together. I think that's the only time I've seen this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to you watching it and making fun of it with you. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be next week. Tune in for that. Oh, that'll be so much fun. Um, but yeah, until then, Opal, where can everyone find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at opal.card.co. You can find like my social media and stuff. And tell me about how much you want to be put in the Wicker Man. <laughs> and I'm at putrid underscore imp if you want to tell me to watch Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's going to be a whole thing. Uh, and I do another uh, podcast with my friend Austin called The Level With You, where we play a few hours of World of Warcraft every week and then talk about it. It's a good show. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think that's going to do it. I think that's it. That was a good hour episode. Join us next week for The Faculty. Do you think it'll be anything like Citizen Kane? <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Rosebud.